0: the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Let's be seated. A confession. Whenever I get an Evite... An electronic invitation, I often look to see who else has been invited. This is a perk with an electronic invitation that you didn't get with the old-fashioned paper kinds of invitations. When you get a paper invitation in the mail, you're left to wonder. I wonder who else is going to be at this party. You may ask around discreetly. But that can only get you so far. But with the Evite, all I have to do is scroll down to that section that says invited guests. And I know exactly who has been invited to attend this party. Is this going to be an event where I know people? Or will it be all strangers? That gets put into the calculus. Will there be a lot of awkward silence or... Good conversation. Is this gathering likely to get a little rowdy? Or will it stay decent and in order? Sometimes the uh, person who's doing the inviting will turn that feature off on the evite. You can do that. And when that feature is turned off, I immediately get suspicious. Who is it that they have invited they don't want us to know about? something's fishy with this party. Of course, I never stopped to think that they don't want anyone to know the pastor is coming to the party. For a while, when Kim and I were first married, she worked for the Department of Human Services for the state of Tennessee. That served as my very first occasion, young in life, to be invited to an official office Christmas party. I remember Kim saying to me, as I was reluctant to go, she said, "Um, I have to go. And I said, no, with all the air of wisdom of a 23-year-old seminary student, you don't have to do anything. And she said, it's important that I be seen there. And that was that. It was as fulfilling a party as you might imagine a gathering to be, where everyone is there because they feel compelled to be there. Jesus is invited to a nice party, the home of a Pharisee, respected religious leaders of the day. Even though he has established himself as an absolutely horrible dinner guest by this time in Luke's gospel, they have invited him anyway. And Luke lets us know why early on. They were watching him closely. But Jesus is also watching them closely. In Luke's gospel, the table is never just a table. It is always a sign, a a metaphor, a symbol, where Jesus both teaches and embodies the kingdom that has drawn near. A table is never just a table. It's a place where if we have eyes to see, the heavenly banquet is set before us and we have the opportunity to eat the bread of life and drink the cup of salvation. And just like the tables around which we gather, there are manners that apply at the kingdom table. Now, I know some of you went to a thing called Cotillion, and some of your children have gone, you've sent them to Cotillion, and we have some in our congregation who've taught at Cotillion, and um, for those who don't know what that is, Cotillion teaches social graces, in essence, table manners, how to dance at a formal dance party, this sort of thing. I didn't go to Cotillion growing up, but I think I should have a certificate anyway, since every meal with my grandmother was a lesson in social graces and good manners. See if you recognize some of these. You never ever pick up a utensil or take a bite of your food until the hostess or the host has done so first. To this day, if we're sitting at a restaurant and eating and most everyone's been served, but there are one or two who haven't been served and they say graciously, please go ahead and start, your meal's going to get cold. I will not dare. The place could close down and I will not dare because I feel the stare of my grandmother from that heavenly banquet table saying those unforgettable words, remember your manners. Always ask someone if they can hand you something. Please. And remember to say thank you. You pass a football, you hand your food. Never reach over someone else's plate to get something. And if you absolutely must, apologize profusely and feel really bad about it for at least three hours. One hand in your lap with your napkin, and the other with the fork or spoon. Yes, ma'am, no ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. I never quite knew what the age was a person had to be to get this honorific, so I said it to basically everyone. Except this one day, I was eating at my grandmother's home around the circular table. It was summertime, and we were having lunch, just my grandmother, my youngest, immediately youngest brother, Jonathan, and me. And Nellie was there. Nellie was an African-American woman who came to my grandmother's house once a week to clean. On this day, she was doing what she did once every two or three months. She was polishing the silver. My grandmother had a lot of silver. While we ate, she sat over in the living room with an eye shot and ear shot and polished she did not eat with us I know now it was because she probably wasn't invited it probably never had to be said that she wasn't invited she just knew this to be the case and she was the only adult ever in my grandmother's house that I did not have to address as ma'am or sir though she was every bit as old as my grandmother my brother and I, at that time, ten and seven respectively, just called her Nellie. I know now that there were manners and customs and ways at work there that my grandmother and we as well just accepted. It was part of the air we breathed in North Alabama in the early 1970s. There at the table you were known by the way you behaved and the company you kept. There were some lines that were just not to be crossed, at least not yet. If you were to ask my grandmother if she cared about Nellie, who worked in that house for well over 30 years, she would have said she did with all her heart. But to invite her to sit down and eat with us? They are watching Jesus, and Jesus is watching them. And when it's time to sit at the table with the host, the predictable mad rush occurs. Everyone is concerned with where he or she is to sit. And in first century Palestine, status was conveyed by the seating chart. No one really saw the neighbor sitting next to him or her All he sees are people to overcome, rungs on the social ladder over which to climb. Get close to the host, you will be honored. Jesus observes this behavior. And when the dust settles, he shares what seems to be a bit of wisdom, the kind of thing that uh, your wise uncle may share with you off to the side at a dinner party, But Luke calls it more than just wisdom. Luke calls it a parable. If you hang back, the host will notice you. And he will say to you, friend, move up higher. But if you go to the front, the host will notice you. And someone more honorable than you may also be in attendance. Or at least someone the host thinks more honorable than you. And he will say to you, move on back. And you will be shamed. Now lest anyone think that this is a new way to get what you want through a little subversion and everybody starts scrambling for the lower seats in anticipation of moving up higher, Jesus immediately turns to the host of the meal and suggests that he reconsider the guest list. He dares to give a lesson in the table manners of the kingdom of God. When you give big parties like this, instead of inviting only those who can pay you back, only those who, quote, need to be seen here, only those who share your status or your race or your income, try inviting those who can't do anything in the world for you in return. Try inviting the lame and the blind and the poor, the folks from the other side of town, folks who can't possibly pay you back, Then you will be blessed. I wonder what the silence sounded like in that room. The people may have wondered, who can do such a thing? You can only imagine such a world as that. Which is precisely the point. Parables were designed to shock the hearer's imagination. Make them more aware of the nearness of the kingdom and the call to follow that kingdom. No matter how out of step it was with the rest of the world. So Jesus invites us to imagine a world filled with people who are so captured by grace and so filled with gratitude that they give without counting the cost or calculating the payback. Imagine a world where the people who get invited to the best parties are the people who need a good meal and warm hospitality. Imagine a world where the striving for status ceases and the mad rush to succeed at all costs comes to a halt, where true greatness is assigned to those who serve. Imagine a world where your Lord and host... Serves you. One scholar notes that Jesus is calling here not for Christians to provide for the needs of the poor and disabled. He says, invite them to dinner. Invite them to dinner. I'll never forget someone came uh, to our church and were. We were talking, a consultant, we were talking about ways to show hospitality, and we were all talking about how you welcome people and make them feel welcomed here and tell them we hope they'll come back again. And he said, That's all well and good, but do you know how you can really get someone to feel welcomed? Invite them to go with you to lunch after the service. A total stranger. That's how they'll really feel welcomed. It's at the table where the walls are broken down. Jesus addresses, uh, the parable invites us to think about who the real host is at this party we call the church. Jesus addresses the host, but the parable imagines a world where Jesus is the host. If Jesus is the host, then we are, all of us, guests. We are dependent and needy blind and lame, all in need of grace, all in need of hospitality. We are guests even in our own homes, especially in our own church. Jesus delivers a painful and freeing grace to the Pharisees and to us. He says to us, you did not create the world. You are a guest. We are all guests. There are table manners, and then there are kingdom table manners. On February 1st, 1960, a young African-American man, Ezel Blair Jr., and three North Carolina agriculture and technical college students went to the classiest intersection of downtown Greensboro, walked into Woolworths, bought some school supplies, sat down at the lunch counter, and ordered a donut and coffee. "'I'm sorry, we don't serve colored here,' the waitress said. And Blair pointed out that she was mistaken and held up his receipt from the nearby cash register. The young men stayed on their stools there until the manager turned off the lights 30 minutes before closing time. Earlier that day, Ezell Blair had said to his mother, Mom, we are going to do something tomorrow that may change history, that may change the world. Yes, we still live in a world where people scan the Evite to see who's going to be there and who's not. Where some are welcomed and some sit off to the side and polish the silver. Where some can afford the table and some cannot. But in the parable we catch a glimpse of the kingdom that has drawn near in Jesus Christ. A table that is as generous and wide as God's grace. Friends, when you leave this place... Wherever you go, this table, the kingdom table, is set. If I may quote my grandmother, let us all remember our manners. Amen.